All right, everybody. Welcome to BO Boys for Thursday, whatever date that's going to be. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, and I'm Pat. And Clayton, we have a special guest because this is not just a fall. uh, This is not just a weekend preview episode. This is a fall preview episode. And whenever we preview an entire season, we got to bring in the reason for the season himself. Our special guest from Exhibitor Relations Co. People start going nuts in your homes and your cars. Here he is, Jeff Bach, everyone. Oh, guys, it is a pleasure to be back with the BO boys. I know we spent all summer lathering ourselves with that hot oil and playing a lot of two-way football. Guys, mm-hmm. I have to say, that was epic. How how many times have you seen Top Gun Maverick in the theater, Jeff Bach? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw it twice. But that, for me, that's like, guys, I haven't seen a movie twice in theaters in like a decade. So no. you compound that with uh, with that knowledge. And that means, I mean, that is just, it doesn't happen, you guys. It just yeah. doesn't happen. And it happened with Maverick. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I wanted to be a part of the story of the summer of 2022. Always and forever. Yeah. I mean, I saw it twice. Clayton, you saw it three times. Three yeah. times. Clayton, you yeah. win this one. You win this round. Yeah. It's probably going to be four. There's, I'm going to see it before it ends its run. I have to again. It was, it's, just such a, it's just such an experience every time. Pat, yeah. did you go over Labor Day weekend when it returned to number one? I did not. I, I, I should have went and, and did my little curtain call there. Went and soaked in the applause because, of yeah. course, I famously tweeted in early July that Top Gun Maverick would get back to number one on Labor Day weekend. You know, I didn't want to take away the attention yes, yes. from Tom Cruise from what Maverick was achieving because if I showed up at a theater, people started whispering, that's the guy who predicted it yeah. and tweeted it in July. And I didn't he, want to take away no. from from what Maverick accomplished. It's, it, it's their accomplishment as much as it's mine. Yeah, it's it's not the Pat Stango show. You know, it's exactly. just not, right? And exactly. you, you got to give Tom Cruise his moment because he's never had a billion dollar moment before. And now he has. Is Tom Cruise as big of a, and we're going to get to all the fall movies, but just to put a bow on the summer, is Tom Cruise right now as big of a star as he's ever been Abs- coming off of Maverick? Absolutely he is. In fact, if Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Part 2, which is not a video game, folks, it is a real movie title. Mm-hmm. Those are both going to do a billion worldwide. I mean, that is just a a slam dunk fact. It's a box office fact at this point, right? Yeah. I I think there's something about Tom Cruise now where he's more beloved than he's ever been. I I think he has, like, reached a a zenith also to middle America, to the stacks, to the plain billies, to the earth dogs, in a way which he never fully did in his heyday in the 80s and 90s, he now is, he's finally got to that spot where he is football. He is apple yes. pie. He's a, a, you know, he's a pickup truck. He's salt of the earth. That is the yeah. thing. That I think is the big takeaway from this is that he has become one of those people that even middle America looks at and says, oh, he's one of our guys. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if, and I haven't looked at the Halloween shelves at Target or Walmart yet, if there was a, not a Tom Cruise mask and you could just dress up as Tom Cruise, the world's biggest mm-hmm. box office star. That, yes. to me, I, I mean, I, I just feel like they would sell a lot of those. I'm not sure if yeah. you guys have time to do it. 
if anybody in China is listening right now where the copyright mm-hmm. lo- rules are a little more lax, guys, get on that. That costume will st- sell like gangbusters. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't cover worldwide international box office as much. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's anyone in China listening yeah. you know, that, that could handle that. But if, if there are, then... Yeah, get on those Tom Cruise masks. That's a great idea. Halloween's still a month away, so they got time. You could pump those out quick. So, Jeff, um, a couple of housekeeping things before we fully jump into the fall. Um, we just want to let you know, we teased it You know, before we officially started the podcast tonight. We teased to you that Clayton and I just had a movie theater experience. So would you like to hear our movie theater experience that we just came from. Yeah, you know I'm always down to hear what goes on in the theater, especially with you two guys probably sitting right next to each other. Am I right? We are across from each other in the B.O. Boys studio tonight. So. But yeah. at the theater, yes. Oh, we yeah, were, at we, the theater. There was no oh, buffer seat. Yeah, oh, of course. I, yeah, that's what I was, I was hoping yeah. that you guys are comfortable enough to just oh. really get right in there. No, no buffers. Yeah. It's, it's shoulder to shoulder. Love so, to see it. Love to see it. We had bought tickets for a Fathom event tonight, Jeff. We were seeing a Fathom event at 7 p.m. in New York City. That Fathom event was, Clayton, what were we about to see tonight? Clerks 3. Yes. We were going to see the the end of the trilogy until they make a fourth one. Kevin Smith's Clerks 3 as a a Fathom event. You know, he's roadshowing it. It's limited release. Just it's FTF for the fans. We get to the theater, we show our tickets, and we are told... We're pulled out of line. We First of all, we're pulled out of line. Right. We're, we show the clerk's tickets. Yeah. And the gentleman, the young man in, in front of us behind the stand who is going to scan our tickets, he looks nervous all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah. And a guy comes up behind him, probably the same age, maybe a year older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whispers in his ear. Or possibly younger. Or younger. Whispers in his ear. And he's like, can you guys step off to the side? And we're like, oh, what's going on here? Was this a sting operation? Yeah, yeah. Is Clerks 3 actually real or is this some sort of sting? Yeah, it's a trap movie. It's a trap movie. But it was not. What happened was we were explained that the uh, file that was sent to them for the Fathom event was corrupted. Yeah. And there would be no Clerks 3 showing at our theater that night. Nope. Clerks 3 was canceled at this AMC in in Kips Bay. We'll say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they took care of us. They refunded the money. They gave us extra passes, which are kind of worthless because we both have AMC A-list. But it was, the gesture is nice. Yes. So, Jeff, do you ever see Fathom events? What is, I have now started, I have heard bad experience with Fathom events, which, which, pains us because the B.O. boys are we are in favor of Fathom events anything that gets people to the theater but I have heard that Fathom events can be unreliable and we saw it ourselves tonight yeah I mean it sounds to me like and and I know you it might have been a sting but what it sounds to me is like Kevin Smith has a lot going on. He, he, you know, he does all these speaking engagements. He smokes a ton of weed, mm-hmm. maybe even more than Seth Rogen. I mean, it's, right. I think it's pretty close. I bet he downloaded those files himself when he was just totally wrecked. And oh, that's no. probably what happened, you guys. So it's kind of cool in a way that you got a real Clerks 3 experience that you can now talk to Kevin about saying, dude, next time you do those files, man, make sure you don't smoke that big blunt right before, oh, you know? that. 
so it's not even fathom. It's it's no. view askew themselves yeah. just sent a corrupted file absolutely. due to weed. Yeah, absolutely that happened because Kevin Smith likes he's a hands-on man. He wants to be right. out there talking to the people with the people. I have no doubt that he corrupted these files, maybe even as a joke. You know, I mean, how great Whoa. is that? Come on. Right. I, I just hope because listen, we do want to see this film. At this point, we probably won't see it in the theater, but we'll, we were hoping to see it then on PVOD. I just hope that all the not all the files of Clerks 3 are now corrupted. <laughs> you know, I hope somewhere on a hard drive in the View Askew offices, there's at least one working QuickTime of Clerks 3 that could be sh- shown. Well, because do we know anybody outside of Twitter that has actually seen Clerks 3? Do you have any first-person knowledge of that actually happening? No, Clayton would have been the first person that I know to have seen Clerks Three tonight. <laughs> yes, yes, and 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 I I know that the Roadshow is happening. Mm-hmm. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I've seen videos of his introductions mm-hmm. online. There, so it's real. I've not, it's real. It's real, and I haven't seen anybody complain about the Roadshow files not working. But I think he might have. A, those might be spools of film. Right, right. He might be carting spools of film around. Now, is it a possibility that this quote-unquote corrupted file is not, in fact, Clerks 3, but a Jason Mewes sex tape oh, I, that was <laughs> accidentally sent in its stead? I mean, and then, then just that's, show it. And then I would say just show it. Yeah. yeah just show the, it. The, I mean, I think that the Jay and Silent Bob sex tape, when, whenever it does come out, I mean, it's it happened. It probably happened multiple times on the road. Those, I mean, those two guys have been, they've done everything together. So why not do the They're big thick deed? thieves. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's a it is a great title for a view askew averse movie is Jay and Silent Bob sex tape. I yeah. mean that, that well they make a porno. I mean that was already. I mean Zach right, and Mary Zach make and Mary, a porno, yeah, but yeah, I mean that's definitely on a notebook somewhere in the comic book store. But I mean it's a shame we were both looking forward to Clerks three. You know, wanted to see what the gang was up to, how they were aging. We'll we'll find out hopefully on PVOD. But instead, we then did find a movie that was playing in that theater at the exact same time. We quickly jumped on our AMC A-list apps, which God bless that app. It's one of, one of the great inventions ever. And we saw a showing of Zach Kreger's new horror film, Barbarian. Jeff, have you seen Barbarian? Guys, I am going tonight to the 1045 screening in my wow. area. That's, that's funny that you guys did that. And, and I, I meant to get it. I just had too much going on this last week. Uh, but I will also see it the same day you guys. So, um, Oh, that's great. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I've heard too many good things. So I just I had to start blocking Barbarian on Twitter because I didn't want to know yes. anything. Anything. Okay. Zero no, knowledge. Zero. We will say no more other than we both liked it. Yes. You're in for a good time. Yes. And, and we do think, because we are going to be talking fall preview, that this movie made $10 million last weekend. Yeah. Our theater was packed. Now, we don't know if that a lot of that was Clerks 3 runoff. Because it w- it did start at the same time as Clerks Three, and like Pat said, we jumped on our AMC and yep. were able to see a movie tonight. Because if we didn't, we would have gone buck wild. Yeah, yeah. I-, I feel like there's a chance there were some Clerks Three people because some of the high points of Barbarian, you did hear audible snoochy booches. Yeah, absolutely from the crowd. So it, it leads me to believe there's some crossover. I did there. hear a nuge. Someone yes. did scream nuge. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but I th- we we both were walking to the studio talking about this film and we think it could be 
a movie that has legs. We do think it could be a movie that has a very small drop next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, this is the season for horror, right? And there's not a lot out there, honestly. There there should be more. Um, and, and the fans seem to like it. I don't care what the cinema score says. Throw that out the window. That's a whole bunch of just general audiences not knowing a good film the same way they didn't know that Malignant was a great film, you know? Yep. That's exactly what we said last week. It's, it's again, we're not going to say the, there, I could definitely see some, some, some crowds coming into this with their noses up in the air and it's not exactly what they expected from the trailer and that disappointed them. But the movie is great. And I do think this is going to have incredible word of mouth. It's Mm going to have a lot of, you just got to go. Honestly, you know, that'll be a big thing people say coming out of this. Yeah, you, I, you just got to go. I agree. That word of mouth is has been strong all summer. It'll be nice to have some of these word of mouth films succeed in the fall. I bet I kind of almost bet my bottom dollar that that you guys had already seen that. So I thought you were going to say we went off the deep end. We went and saw Fathom Events, other film that's out there called Life Mark. And I just I thought you guys might try that out. You know, it was playing at the same yes, time yes. and had Barbarian not been showing at a time that would have got us here to talk to you on time. We may have seen Life Mark. <laughs> we were going to see something. I, we were in a desperate state. It was Life yes. Mark or Brahmastra part one, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I would have seen anything. Tonight. Yeah. So I'm glad the movie that I was most interested in was playing at a at an opportunity. And time. neither of us had gotten around to see it. Yeah. 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 And that was good. So this weekend, I look at, we're talking now fall preview. I look at this being the point where the fall officially starts. This like second or third Friday in September. I feel like there is a a netherworld where the summer season is over, but the fall season hasn't started. And it's like those first couple of weeks in September are just a, 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 a man without a country. There are a time, you know, a movie without a season. Well, there is the, there was always, you know, the Warner prestige horror, which was supposed to be Salem, Salem's lot this year. Barbarian moved into that spot. That always felt to me like an extension of summer. Yes. Because when we did our box office, uh, our, our fantasy league, our box office fantasy league, we wrapped that first weekend into our yeah. our draft. So yeah. you could draft the the early September Warner Prestige Horror because it just felt like another blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but I, I, I think I think the fall really starts now and I guess the fall season kicks off this Friday, which is September sixteenth, with Viola Davis's star The Woman King. So Jeff, this this movie feels big you know i've seen the trailer it feels like a a true big studio movie on some level but that said is this a movie that's going to make double digits this weekend because it feels like it should it feels like a movie that should make 25 opening weekend but i'm not quite feeling that in the air if, so is 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 Woman King big or is it not big? If only Rotten Tomato scores 
correlated with the box office, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think right now, last I checked, it had a hundred percent fresh on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. I know that I think there was only thirty-five reviews, but that's that's pretty impressive, right? So if if yep. this thing actually takes off and hits in the nineties, like after after all these these other guys throw in their reviews and these gals. Um, if it can actually hit in the 90s, I think you, you might see some word of the mouth this weekend. Uh, but again, The Woman King has, as much as it has going for it, it has the history of Hollywood working against it. I mean, mm. these these action films starring women are very, it's, it's a tough sell. God bless them for, for trying, you know, but when you when I saw the first preview, I'm like, Wow, this is um, this is a mix between Black Panther and Wonder Woman. That's ha- they're selling me on that yep. on those two films, and and by all means they should. That's a great selling point. Um, but it's very difficult as as we saw. What was that movie earlier this this year? Universal put out three five five or something like that with this oh, yeah. big oh, the, group. The, yeah, the Jessica Chastain yeah. movie. And, and yeah, that, yeah, that film just tanked at the box office. It's just. You have to get if you're if you're selling an action film starring a woman. Obviously, you need more than just women to show up because they 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 aren't an audience that usually propels action films without having a, a male contingency behind it. So if it, you're right, if they're looking, if they want fifteen to twenty million, it, it's got to be more than just the action aficionado women who show up. Because right, right. let's be honest, that just hasn't worked for Hollywood. This is not Hustlers. You know, this is something very different. You know, Hustlers opened, I think, in 2019. It was about uh, around the same time in September. And did yep. uh, I think it ended up doing $100 million at the box office. did over 100 I yeah. think it opened in the 30s. Yeah. And it definitely did over 100 I mean, 2019 was a underrated year for non-IP movies making over a hundred. That was, that was like one of the last great times for that. I mean, the thing is also with woman King action in general is just iffy at the box office when it's not superhero action. And it's you not, know, uh, yeah. And it's not IP and nobody's, nobody's really heard of this story. And then I, on Twitter, I started to see some backlash that they're not following the exact events of what happened. I don't know if that's going to become a story or not. Um, and it's a PG-13 war film. I mean, that's, you know, war films are rated R, right? For a reason. So right, it's yeah, like, right. is this more of a Hollywood type look at it in the lens of PG-13? And if so, that might turn some people off. So I think this is a tough sell as, as much as I'm, I'm feeling this media hype, which uh, it does not really translate to consumer hype usually. And that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are some, there's some, there's some things in motion <laughs> that are pushing this film and trying to sell it really hard. Um, and it's tough because it doesn't have all the IMAX screens. You know, um, the David Bowie documentary actually has, a, a, at least in L.A., has a lot of those IMAX screens, this Moon Age mm. Daydream. So that's going to mm-hmm. cut into uh, what it can gross in the, uh, in the L.A. market, which is pretty big. What are you guys seeing out in New York? Yeah, I mean... Let me see. I don't know if it's if it's got the IMAX screen in, uh, you know, there's only one true IMAX screen in New York City. It's the Lincoln Square. And so let me see on my AMC A-list what it's getting. I mean, the thing about this movie, too, is Viola Davis is obviously a star and she's an Oscar winner and a very famous person. But in this role, it's a little tricky because... 
she doesn't have a track record as a big box office star. You know, Widow's kind of underperformed. So I, yeah, I'm not sure if this I mean, is going to make. She's a star. In, I, I mean, to call her a star, we have different definitions of what a star is. I mean, she doesn't put butts in the seats by herself. So this movie, at it's looking like at the big, uh, I, it's not getting the IMAX screens yeah. here in New York City. Yeah, and see, that's I'm a problem. I'm looking at it. It's it's not. It's got the regular Dolby and digital screens. It's not getting the IMAX so at AMC. Dolby is technically a PLF, but it's not an IMAX. So the price point for IMAX is really what rakes in the cash. It's, you are right, Jeff. Even here in New York, it's the Bowie documentary has got all of the IMAX yeah. showings in New York City. And that's a choice that theater owners across the nation made. They previewed wow. these films they said, you know what? We're rolling with the Bowie doc instead of the Woman King. And that kind of tells you, at least it tells me, that this might not go the way they thought it was going to go at the box office. Could be wrong. Could be a case of, hey, sometimes the right genre film at the right time can still work. But Pat, off what you said, Viola Davis, amazing actor. Nobody's going to argue that. But it, it, she has never proven herself at the box office as a draw. And that's what we're talking. Hey, on BO Boys, we talk about the hard facts, man. We love all right. these people, but we got to be real with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so on this movie, to put a pin on Woman King, since it's the movie opening this weekend, over under $12 million opening weekend. Does anyone have Woman King opening higher than $12 million? No, I don't. I, I would say I would say twelve is its cap. Wow, man! I think I'm not believing the hype either. Yeah, yeah. I think this. it could hit that. I feel like twelve or thirteen yeah. feels doable. Yeah, because it's it's just the biggest movie. It's also the biggest movie we've had probably since Bullet Train. But, but when you say it's a big, that's the thing is I don't think this is a big movie. That's the thing. It's like it's being hyped as a big movie, but it's. But it's, that's enough. It's got a. It's got more. It's definitely gotten way more promotion than anything that's come out since Bullet Train. It's like, good think, that they're they're spending money. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that'll be enough to get it to. I think it'll open at thirteen. That's my guess. Unlucky thirteen. You're yeah. saying. All right. Uh, what do you say, Jeff? Um, you know, Gina Prince Bythewood, the director of this film. Um. You guys remember Loving Basketball back in, mm-hmm. like, way back in 2000, right? That's where yep. she mm-hmm. kind of came onto the scene. I love that. Like, I love that film. It's one of the best sports dramas, I think, that is out there, you know, outside of, like, you know, Spike Lee's He's Got Game. I mean, it's definitely one of the best movies about basketball. Um, but, again, you know, then she was, like, gone until The Secret mm-hmm. Life of Bees eight years later. And then uh, I think she had The Old Guard was on Netflix. So, yep. um Again, she's never really proven herself to be a, a really big box office draw either in terms of a, of a director. And and so what is Sony selling us on? It's not the cast. It's not the director. Um, it, it's, it is, you know, it's this formula that has not worked in Hollywood is what they're trying to sell us on. And that's why I agree. I think, you know, 12 to 13 million actually sounds about perfect for this film. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go 13.3 million. You know, okay, just, just so the prices right you. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know what it's tracking at yet? I, I you know, honestly, I, I saw between 15 and 20 is what people were saying. 
But again, okay, so you know, again, because it's on thirty five hundred screens, that's the estimate right now. It you know, it's a fifty million dollar production, like you said, Clayton. It's a huge spend. It almost feels like a summer spend that Sony is shilling out for this uh, ads everywhere. So again, they spent a lot. So yeah, they 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 are they need to hit that. 15 to 20. Obviously they'd love to hit 20, but I, I just think that's, that's just too much. I think that's especially with, I mean, what there's like three other wide releases out there this weekend and there's a lot of NFL and NCAA action. It's just the start of the uh, football season. It's just, it's going to be very hard to get dudes in seats to this thing. And I'll mm. tell you what, Barbarian is going to eat in to these new releases because people are going to say, go see Barbarian it is a fun time. So we will see. So now zooming out, looking at the fall in general, I'm going to throw out what I think, you know, I would say and some of us would say are the, the slam doinks of the of the fall season, the big ones. And when we say fall, I think we're going all the way all the up way, until baby. early December. You know, we'll go to Avatar 2. So, well, we might as well just go to the end of the year. I mean, if you're going that far. You're going to December 16th, man. All right. Yeah, that's so winter. That's yeah. what, so, so should we cap it at Thanksgiving then? Um, I mean, we should, ca- yeah, we should go through all the way through Thanksgiving maybe. Yeah. Okay. So then no avatar too. So then the we, slam doinks of the next couple of months of the fall season, September, October, November seem to be black Adam and, um, Wakanda forever, of course. The Disney animation film Strange World, which opens Thanksgiving weekend, and I guess you could say a slam doink in context of the movie, it is Halloween Ends. You know, those are the slam doinks. If we're not going into Avatar, that's a winter season movie. Those are the only ones that feel like they should make $100 million domestic. I mean, Halloween Ends might not get there. But those are the only ones that feel like in the conversation to be favored to do that. Am I missing on any slam doinks in September, October, November? I feel like we've got gonna, a lot of question marks, yeah, but not a lot of doinks. I'm going to throw out one. This is my okay. dark horse for the fall season. It's Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Wow. Now listen, I, and it, we've all seen that trailer and you all, we've all kind of just shook our heads and go, what the hell is going on? But mm-hmm. listen, this is really the only film for those kitties. And this opens October 7th, right? So mm-hmm. a couple, few weeks here, but that's the only other film for kids is strange world. Like you said, and that is on Thanksgiving. So right film, right genre, right time. This could play out like Peter Rabbit for Sony, which also did a hundred million, if you can believe it, over a hundred million. I think it did 115 million at the box office. So it's just weird enough. This is Josh Gordon, Will Speck, I believe, directed this. So um, I think this has this will have mileage. It may not open bigger than the 20 millions, low 20 millions, but it's going to stick around, just like we've seen with DC Super Pets. You know that right. film just won't go away. It's still out yep. there. Mm-hmm. So and, and like we saw with the bad guys, I mean, yeah, these yeah, kids absolutely. movies, if unless they're complete trash, they stick around. So I and yeah. I think this is good enough from what I've seen. And if you compare it to other films like Peter Rabbit, it, it looks decent enough, 
even though it doesn't have any IP, I think it's going to stick around for a while. It has my dark horse $100 million pick right there. I think you're right about the other films, Pat, although Halloween ends, you know, I think Halloween kills came up a little short at 92 million, something like that domestic. And I think this might come up even a little shorter. I don't know from what I gather, the reception wasn't great for Halloween kills, you know, and the fact that they're going to Peacock again with this thing, I think people are saying, you know what? I'm just going to catch this one there. You know, since they're going to give me that option. And this is the last big film that I've seen go day and date. Um, it's funny that Universal is the only one still doing this right now, right? Like they were big, big proponents of that 17-day window. They had that all set up. But now they're just like, you know what? We're going to throw out a day and eight, whatever we want, whatever we need to boost that peacock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I was actually going to throw this out there as of the slam doings I mentioned, which one feels the iffiest? And my thought would have been Halloween ends because Clayton and I, we saw a movie tonight. We saw that trailer. We've seen that trailer before. And watching the Halloween ends trailer again tonight, it feels off. It doesn't feel like there is a added value element in this movie that is going to propel it to be bigger than the last one. I agree. I think it's going to do less money domestically than Halloween kills and I I think it's going to have a smaller opening weekend and a much faster decline than well, the last that's movie. That's the thing. I think it still will open big because it's Halloween. People will want to go to the theater to see a scary movie, but it is going to drop like a, a rock. I mean, I think the drop in the second weekend will be like 78% or something crazy. Yeah. It's going to be nuts because that Halloween Kills is a disliked movie. It's it's almost uh, in some circles a loathed movie. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that that's really going to show. There's going to be people who are like, I'm not finishing this. I'm not finishing this trilogy because it's number one. It's not going to be the last Halloween I ever see. Right, right. I didn't like the direction it went, so I'll just wait till the next reboot or watch it on Peacock or watch it on Peacock. Exactly, watch yeah. it on Peacock, and that's why you can't give them to op- the option to watch it on Peacock. I feel like this is a double thing. It's Peacock is a cover for the box office gonna that's going to be lukewarm. And it's going to be, well, maybe we can get a few subscribers this way. So if they had true confidence in this, they would give it a 17-day window, then put it on Peacock. Because people would be so itching to see it that they would watch it in the theater and then go go, uh, and watch it again on Peacock. But that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, look what Universal did with the Black Phone and Nope this summer. They both just legged out because, because guess what? We're just going to keep these things in theaters. You know, Black Phone ended up doing almost $90 million. Are you kidding me? Off that yep. budget, I'd, I'd give Scott Derrickson, I'd give him carte blanche. I'd say, here, here's $100 million. Go mm. make five films, you know, for us. You know, I mean, that's how great Scott has done in the horror department. I mean, the guy just loves the genre. He knows how to do it. Um I just don't understand why more studios, especially like Lionsgate, like we talked about, why can't, why why they can't think of anything else but Saw, right? Like right, right. Lionsgate should have like four or five horror franchises going on at all times. You right. know? Yeah, it's the it's the Blumhouse model. Why aren't they following the Blumhouse yeah, model? Exactly. They basically create I mean, Saw cost like a million dollars the first one. They they, they mm. were on top of it back then. Somehow they they had 
they had Oscar winner, they had laurels in mind instead of what really kills at the box office. We all know it's horror. Horror will right. keep your studio alive through thick and thin. Uh, as much money as they made off of Hunger Games and that franchise, in some ways it's almost the worst thing that happened to them because it changed the DNA of what they should have been. They should have been making more Saw-type films, not just Saw sequels. But when you when you get your first Hunger Games, then you feel like, okay, this is what we do now. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, and they had John Wick, so I mean they did start one there, but you're right. They should have stayed lower budget. So, you know, back on Halloween ends, I do think another big problem for that movie, and we're talking about the drop-off, is Halloween ends opens on October 14th, and then a week later, October 21st, Black Adam comes out. The Rock, Black Adam, our first DC superhero movie since the Batman way back in March. So that second weekend of Halloween ends, Black Adam's going to come out and just completely take over the box office. Absolutely. I mean, that is the film, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's a $100 million opening weekend, but I'm not not saying that it Mm. is. Sometimes, again, again, you know, you look at it, you look at this trailer and you're like, it's got the goods, man. It's all there. And then, then, then. Hawkman shows up and then, you know, you've got, Mm -hmm. you got all these, you're going to have cameos up the wazoo. I mean, this just feels like a real restart of the DC franchise. We don't know what Mm -hmm. they're going to do with the Flash and Aquaman and all that stuff, but we know Black Adam and The Rock is in for at least a trilogy. And if not, and maybe we get back to, maybe we get to Justice League. You know, with with The Rock as Black Adam, I, that's how big this is for DC. Yes. And again, right film, right time. We haven't had a superhero film since uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. That's that was months ago. By the time this opens, so again, this is going to do. You know, th- if we're just talking about the fall season outside of Black Panther, you know, it's it's Black Panther and then Black Adam. That's number one and two. There's just no way. There's no way to get get around that. Yeah, I, I the closer we get to it, the higher I'm getting on Black Adam because, listen, we talked about it when DC League of Super Pets came out. It was clear The Rock was deprioritizing that film. He wasn't going all in on it on his Instagram. Black Adam is his big movie for this year. The Rock is determined to make that huge. And I think Black Adam could become the... The, the 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 leader of this DC cinematic universe. I think Rock's the biggest movie star in the world, and he's never had a signature superhero character, and I could totally see Black Adam becoming the Iron Man of DC. Well, where he, it's like the the not the you know he's not Batman, he's not Superman, but he's that character that in the movies could become their centerpiece. Well, The Rock used to refer to himself as Franchise Viagra Mm -hmm. because he came (laughs) into G.I. Joe and gave that a boost. I mean, famously, the Fast movies, he takes a lot of credit for making those what they are now. This would be the next level. This would be, he'd be Universe Viagra. He would have reinvigorated an entire superhero universe that was... Losing its steam was mired in controversy. Yeah. 
So a lot of people are looking at this, like you, Jeff, as not the end or last gasp of the DCU, but a bridge to the future. With still having some of those old elements, keeping some of the elements that are working, dis, uh, disregarding the rest, and then moving into a future where, like you said, Pat, the rock is the centerpiece of the DCU. And so we'll see. It's going to be a huge deal. I mean, there's a lot riding on Black Adam. Yeah, there is. And I and I think I think DC recognizes this. You know, they moved all those other films. Shazam is gone. Which is a big blow for the holiday season, honestly. It's too bad that they moved Shazam. But but I think you're right. I think they're working things out. I think they're trying to figure out, okay, if Black Adam is our centerpiece, how do we sneak him into the next Shazam, you know, if he's not there already? Um, it's, it's elements like that that have worked for Marvel. DC still isn't out of the, we have to do exactly what Marvel did mode. They still want to do that. It's pretty obvious. When you watch the Black Adam trailer, it looks more like a Marvel trailer than I've ever seen before. You know, it's mm. got the humor. And of course, that's a signature of Dwayne Johnson. He, he loves the humor aspect uh, of, of all his films. And Clayton, I will say one thing, you know, in terms of Viagra, let's not, you forgot one of the biggest sequels that he really bumped up, which was Journey 2, you know, Journey mm, to the yes. Center of the Earth. I mean, that's, I think that might have been his first one that he yes. ever did. Um, and again, like he just, he, he just owned the franchise, you could tell. I guess Scorpion King would be, technically be his first, right? Because he tried to do an offshoot uh, of uh, the Mummy franchise. It's so funny because he tried to take a franchise from Brendan Fraser with The Mummy and didn't succeed. And then he did with Journey. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the circle, man. That's the circle of movie life. And that was his white fall, whale. That, and now this fall, they'll be going up against each other at the box office because Brendan Fraser's got the whale. So do we think in this battle, Black Adam and the whale, do we think Black <laughs> Adam comes out a little higher at the box office and Brendan Fraser's the whale? I, I'm going to say by at least 350 million. Yeah, it's okay. close though. It's close. It's close. Yeah. So I mean, I think a comp for Black Adam is Aquaman back in 2018, which was, you know, a a movie that was of course going to be a blockbuster, but we weren't sure just how big it would be. And that movie opened up to 67 million. Went on to make. What did it make? 330 domestic. So do we feel like Black Adam has a shot at Aquaman level domestic? I mean, international, you kind of have to throw out the window these days because, you know, the China box office is so different than what it used to be. But do, are we looking at Black Adam as a movie that's going to open, you know, you you were thinking 90 to 100 million. Could it do that and leg out to around 300 million? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look what happened this summer. We didn't really have a big miss at the box office, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason for that is there's, you know, there was 37% less content. You look right. at the uh, fall season here, and we're, we're at 25% less content just in September and October versus 2019. Mm. So part of that is all of these films, the big films, they're going to just keep chugging along week to week. And Black Adam obviously right. fits that mold. It's that film that's just going to – it's going to play like Gangbusters over Thanksgiving, a month after it opens. Yeah. You know, Black Panther and Black Adam are still going to be making money. And then, you know, you're going to throw the Fablemans in there and uh, um, 
and uh, devotion, you know, or as Glenn Powell calls it, Top Gun 3, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. those are the films, you know, that it's going to be competing against. And, and that's not a lot of competition straight up when you're talking about Black Adam and Black Panther 2. Uh, those films are going to play into the end of the year, you know, quite possibly. So, yeah, I don't think I think that's a great comparison. I think it probably even does. It outdoes Aquaman. Wow. Well, we'll get to the the more uh, uh, questionable picks that are out there. You know, we'll try and talk through what we think some of the ones that could overperform are. But let's just go right to the other slam doink, the other biggie you just mentioned, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That comes out, what, November 4th, I think? 11th. And that's another one where Clayton and I just saw the trailer before Barbarian. And, you know, we've seen this trailer a million times and right when it was over again today, we looked at each other and we said, uh, that trailer is amazing. And, <laughs> you know, listen, Clayton is far from being in the pocket of the MCU. He is not a superhero guy. He's nodding as I say that. And I like these movies, but I'm definitely a little bit on the uh, tired side. But with this Wakanda forever, it just feels different and it feels I mean, it's it's tough to ever say that this is going to be an event on the level of the original Black Panther, which was such a cultural event, but it does feel like it. It has that possibility of just being another big cultural moment. So, Jeff, are you feeling that? Is Wakanda forever going to be a cultural moment the way Black Panther was, the way Top Gun Maverick just was? I mean, honestly, maybe even more so than the original. Wow. I mean— as hard as it is, I mean, I think we all had a connection to T'Challa, you know, it just in our own way. I mean, it just it, it really moved people. Um, mm-hmm. That performance was it was on the level of um, Oscar caliber. I thought it was just that mm-hmm. good. Um, right. And the fact that he's not with us anymore is 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 something that it's just as sad and tragic as it gets. And this sort of celebrates not only him, uh, but the life and how Wakanda keeps going. And, and you know, it, it, it's a metaphor for how life has to keep going. So everybody is going to pay their respects and go see this movie. You know, and not that they weren't going to anyways, but even more so now, I think. And and from what I've heard, it's – and we all felt the power of that trailer. This is going to be an emotional moment, I think, for everybody. And it's going to play – you know, through the, into 2023, you know, easily. So when you're saying, can it be as big? I say, yes, it can. And can even be bigger because of, because of what, what happened and what's at stake. We saw that when Heath Ledger passed, um, Mm -hmm. before the dark night. Um, and, and you, you, we did. I, I, I hate to have a category of someone who's died and, and how well their films do, but this this does fall into that. Um, obviously, he's you know he he wasn't he's as far as I know he's not even in the film, um, but still, uh, everybody's going to trace back to how that first one made them feel, and and you know there's going to be an outpouring uh, of emotion when this thing is released. Yeah, I think this is a Fast 7 situation. And again, like you said, Chadwick Boseman is not in the film, but there is that his his 
his spirit will loom large on this. I mean, he will be an integral part of this film. I do think I agree with you. I think there's going to be like a lot of catharsis involved with this. I am not a Marvel movie fan by any stretch of the imagination. This seems bigger than that to me. I still probably won't see it, but <laughs> it still feels something like something different. Yes, which is something that Marvel has been lacking. And to to be mercenary about it, because we are talking bo bo boys, right? We have to. I do think that that level of connection people had with that character and also that actor and the way he died, the way he he was sick and never showed it. I think that is something that people will re- it will resonate with people. They will want to see this as a tribute to him, and I do think it'll be bigger than the first movie. Yeah, I definitely think that. So the original movie I'm looking at came out in February of 2018, and the opening weekend was 202 million dollars. I think that this opening weekend is going to be much bigger than that. I feel like we're looking at an opening weekend that is in that. Spider-Man No Way Home end game mm-hmm. level. Call like it's it. Gonna, Call it, Pat. Yeah. Call it right now. Just throw it out. What's your number? I mean, is it going to do 280? Is that is that Oof. on the table? I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. So. When, yeah, when you get into those crazy numbers, who knows where this thing goes? Right. Because especially now, right now, I mean, Black Adam will have come out a few weeks before, but with the dearth of content out there... The big movies are almost bigger than they've ever yes. been. Mm-hmm. It's so, the Top Gun Maverick effect. Right. And Wakanda Forever is going to have every IMAX screen, every PLF. I mean, I wish they could just build more between now and when this movie comes out, but it's going to have every one of those available. And that opening weekend is going to be, I think, has a chance to challenge. Because is No Way Home the record holder at this point? It 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 opened up bigger than Endgame. No, I think Endgame is still the, the it's still the it's I still the it's biggest still opening the biggest, weekend, I believe. Um, but this is going to be in that league. I think this is going to be in that league in the in the high two hundreds, and you know where it goes from there, we'll see. But I think opening weekend it's going to be way bigger than the first Black Panther movie. The only thing I could say that is a possibility of dampening this this release is that the World Cup is happening at the same time. Oh, yeah. And that is an international thing. And it usually is during the summer. And it usually uh, that that doesn't necessarily affect box office necessarily. But I do think that there's a possibility, depending on what's going on, what team is playing, it's possible it could have an effect. I'm just throwing it yeah, out throw there. Throw it out there. I but think you, you disdain soccer. I can see the look on your face, but it is <laughs> it is the international pastime. It is the yeah. most popular sport in the world. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. could not it's not gonna dampen the domestic, but there's a chance that there could be some effects overseas. Here. Yeah. But it, just talking domestically, I think this movie has a chance to be in that upper, upper, like top three, four domestic openers of all time. Guys, right. So, I'm going to give it to you right now. Avengers Endgame at 357. So that's the number to beat. That's yeah, I yeah, think yeah, out yeah. of right. reach. They but get you're that right. High, yeah. But you're right. Spider-Man No Way Home at 260. So somewhere in there is is actually reasonable. Avengers Infinity War was at 257, and The Force Awakens at 
47. So, yeah, yeah, we are talking probably top five opener, which again, you know, for 2022, just amazing things still happening in cinemas. And that's that's great for people who like big, epic productions. Um, You know, that that's just where we're headed. That's where Avatar is going to go the the same way. If you're going to see two films in the fall and holiday season, it's going to be those two films. That's just the way it is. They are both billies. There's no way either of those films are not hitting a billion dollar worldwide. Hell, even the Avatar re-release, you know, might do some some serious business. I don't think that any Gen Z is, is, has even seen that movie. So the other one that we had in there is a slam doinkish movie for the fall is Disney's animated Strange World which comes out on Thanksgiving weekend, November 23rd, it comes out. And usually those Thanksgiving Disney animated movies do buff a bobo. I mean, we're talking, this is the Frozen slot. This is, I think, the Moana slot. You've had Wreck-It Ralphs in this slot. I mean, Disney loves opening big animated films right before Thanksgiving and they usually clean up that weekend and then stick around really well. This strange world movie, does it feel like it has a chance to be at that level? I mean, it feels like it's not a princess movie. You know, it's a boy movie. The stars are Jake Gyllenhaal, comedian Jabuki Young White, Dennis Quaid's up there. So it's, it's not a Frozen. It's not a, a princess. It's not a Moana. It's more in that Wreck-It Ralph range. But have you seen the trailer for it? Like the first trailer I saw was very like 30s and 40s pulp mm-hmm. adventure leaning yeah. sci-fi, which is something that what generation has a reference point for that? It feels well, uh, Indiana if, Jones. It's almost like you have a reference point to the movies that were a loving remembrance of those movies. Yeah, but but yeah, this has that weird edge. I I it's it's leaning towards like a Pixar idea for a Disney animation movie, which I'm not in love with right now. The whole idea of let's try and do that. Like Wreck-It Ralph is a very obvious yeah. idea. Yeah. Like what if video games. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. so easy to grab a hold of. And this feels to me like too slippery and not a genre that makes money ever. These like pulp leaning movies. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, they never do yeah. well. Look right. What, and, yeah. And you go, Jeff. I, no, absolutely, Clayton. I think you're on the right track here. This feels off. Uh, the first trailer I saw, I was like, who is this for? You know, listen, it, it kind of gave me Titan AE vibes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is that Don Bluth film from, uh, uh, I think, uh, the year 2000, actually, 20 oh, years yeah. ago now. But again, and remember Atlantis from Disney, too? They, they, yes. had, a, they had some weird sci-fi leaning. Uh, Treasure Planet. Them. Treasure Planet. Yeah, that's the vibe I was getting off Strange World. I'm like, guys, this is not a Wreck-It Ralph. This is, why, why, why aren't they going back to the, the princesses, the Tangled, uh, the Frozen? Yes. Those are the films that people want to see over the holiday season, over Thanksgiving. Strange World could be in, in for some strange days at the box office. And I think that Black Panther is just going to wash over that film you know, yeah. and ride that wave all the way into Avatar. 
you know, so strange world could, could feel some of that light year heat and, and, mm. and underperform, I think. That, that's such a good, I mean, it's true. Disney just the only true bomb of the summer where a big movie bombed was Lightyear, And it's the same thing. It's a boy sci-fi adventure. People were not craving that they want princesses, you know, they want Tangled, like you said, and Moana, and they want the frozen sisters. Those are the slam doinks. And listen, Here's something I'm going to throw out here now. Speaking of these Disney princesses and that Strange World is getting a theatrical release and a movie that Disney is not putting in theaters this fall. Instead, they are sending it straight to Streamo, straight to Disney Plus on Thanksgiving weekend. Disenchanted. It is a sequel to Enchanted starring Amy Adams. Jeff, could you explain to me, this is not a, you know, bootleg sequel to Enchanted where they had to get Isla Fisher to take over the character. They got Amy Adams back. Why is Enchanted's sequel, Disenchanted, not in theaters? It makes... And then, you know, <laughs> t- tell me, you're in LA, you're hearing things that maybe the B.O. boys yeah. here in New York it, are it, not hearing. It makes... Why is Amy <laughs> Adams, Disenchanted, not only in movie theaters because it makes absolutely zero sense like we just talked about these Thank princess you. movies and this is kind of an anti-princess movie and it's so funny and I, I remember seeing this film and go look they turned the disney brand on its head they're making fun of themselves this is great and everybody loved it to the tune of 340 million worldwide that's great Jeez. for a film like that and are you telling me that wouldn't kill it over thanksgiving because it would People would show up. They could even re-release Enchanted as a double feature with this yes. thing. Um, I think we learned from even back in – let's go back two years. Take us back to the pandemic when it, when we just opened theaters again. Guess what came out? Hocus Pocus. They re-released it. It did so well. They said, God damn it. We got to make a sequel to this thing. And they did. They put it right into production. Obviously, that's going to D plus two. Another mistake. You know, so it's, it's – I, I don't get it. But that is – that's their MO. I mean, have you, did you read what they, all they keep saying is, hey, we're, we're you know, we're going to make decisions and we're going to do things a little differently. We are the number one studio. We have that right. We're going to still give you some big hits, but we're also going to knock them dead on D plus. But here's the thing. They already got all these Marvel series, all these Star Wars series. They have so much content on D plus coming uh, that they don't need to, to, to throw disenchanted away like that. I, I really think they're missing the boat with Hocus Pocus 2 and in Disenchanted. Those both yep. could do great business, especially in 2022, where we're at like 25% less product than we were in 2019. I mean, I do not for the life of me get why you don't put Hocus Pocus 2 in theaters that first Friday in October, give it at least two or three week theatrical exclusive and then the Friday of Halloween weekend, boom, it's on Disney+. Plus. Absolutely. It has a three-week run. It makes it $60 million total box office. And then it's on Disney+. Plus. And Disenchanted over Thanksgiving weekend this year, that movie would open to $80 million. And put, str- uh, put Strange World on D+. Plus. And put Str- – I mean, there is something to the, the – there is something – 
and, and you know, not to, to make it a sexism or this or that, they are leaning into the the quote unquote boy movies, like your light year, like your strange uh, world, and stuff like Disenchanted and Hocus Pocus are getting shunted to Disney Plus, and I think those are clearly the more marketable theatrical movies. It's 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 it could be a coincidence, but there there feels like there's something going on there. I think what we saw they with, should figure out. Yeah, with where the Crawdads thing this summer. I mean, that film again just had legs because it hit an audience that wasn't hit all summer. Guess what? It's yep. females. They have been <laughs> vastly undersold um, yep. since since this. We've reemerged uh, from the pandemic in, in terms of theatrical. We just haven't seen a lot of films, especially big ones, marketed to women. And so that when they're vastly underserved like that, and, and hey, guys, we might be totally wrong about the woman king. Like, they, women might just show oh, up in droves. I hope so. And it, and it opens at 20 so. million plus, And it runs and makes 100 million like a lot of people think it might. Um, and, and, I, and, and that is possible. But I, you're right, though. You're right. The, the movies that have done well for Disney in the past – have been girl centric and and guess what boys go to them too the little mermaid yep. is is already in the billy club you don't even have to worry about it it's going to make more than aladdin made um in movie theaters when it comes out next summer so yep. i don't know why they would shy away from these two films getting at least a couple week two three week exclusive guess what theater owners are fine with it these days they, they hell they'll play your movie if you're playing it on d plus anyways so yep. it just doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get it. Well, speaking of movies, you know, the theater owners are more lenient with streaming releases, getting a theatrical run and then go right to streaming. The one studio that they don't seem to have that leniency for is Netflix. You know, Universal, they're doing day and date on Peacock and Disney could pretty much do whatever they want. But with Netflix, the theaters are still trying to get them to do these 30, 45-day exclusive windows to be able to get the big chains. So a couple of weeks ago, we had Matt Bellany from Puck and the Town. He was on this podcast, and he flat out told us he does not see Knives Out 2, Glass Onion. The you know Netflix bought the rights to the Knives Out sequels. He does not see that getting any kind of real theatrical run from Netflix. So, Jeff, we'll throw that out to you now. The Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, which we're hearing is testing through the roof. People have seen it, loved it. The first movie was a big domestic box office smash. Is this Netflix movie going to get a real theatrical run? Are we going to see this in 3,000 theaters? Or is this going to be, it plays at the Paris Theater, it plays at some indie chains. Plays at Quentin Tarantino's theater here in L.A. Yeah. Yep. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Netflix doesn't know how to release a film theatrical, which is surprising considered they've hired most of the talent of Hollywood, right? Like mm -hmm. the people that they've hired have experience with releasing movies. So it goes back to the core of what Netflix is. They just don't give a rat's ass about box mm. office. And that's, guess what? That's the flagship idea, right? That's their motto. That's their credo is that you see this movie at home. And that is our number one priority, no matter how great of director you are, no matter that we, we, we basically bought the Knives Out 
I mean, which was which was a huge surprise success. We basically just took that franchise from the box office to oh. have on our Netflix, and that's where you're going to stream this thing, and you're going to love it, and that's where it's going to live from now on. Because if they were going to make a deal, because this is the biggest movie property, this is the biggest IP they've ever purchased, and they yes. snatched it away from Lionsgate, and it was it was just Lionsgate's folly that they couldn't do this. In fact, like we were talking about before, Lionsgate's will probably sell off to the highest bidder pretty soon. You know, Had they got Knives Out and paid that money for Knives Out, they'd have a lot of uh, of good things coming up besides John Wick, right? But they don't, mm. and they will be out of the uh, the business here pretty soon. But but speaking of Netflix, it's like they have so many films. I mean, you've seen the list of films, right? That they have they have more films coming out in uh, September, October, November than most of the studios combined. You know, <laughs> it's right. crazy. But again. Where will we see them? Because we're not going to see them at AMC because they won't make a deal with AMC. And that's the big block here, right? Like the number one theatrical chain in America and the world is not going to play your films, you know, which is crazy in this day and age where Disney and and Universal uh, play day and date and still let their films now play at AMC theaters, right? uh, Paramount is doing it as well. You know, they're putting stuff on P plus and in theaters. Uh, uh, what is it? Conf- Fletch confess, confess Fletch, you know, um, oh Orphan 2, you know, these films. Yeah. yeah, they might not be big, but guess what? AMC is playing them and they're also streaming day and date. So why can't one of the biggest films of the fall season, which is Glass Onion, play in theaters other than like your random regals or cinemarks across the nation with zero marketing. And that's the key guys, right? right? We know this, we're Hollywood. We know BO, we know how it works. You got to spend money and they haven't spent money in the right ways. Yeah. I've seen the trailer and guess what? There's no goddamn date on there for theatrical release. If they were Mm -hmm. serious about it, guys, they would have released it with a goddamn date on there. And that date would have been October 7th. Guess what? We're going to open this film in October because we know how light it is and it's going to play all the way through the holiday season. It's going to play into Thanksgiving. That's the date they should have released it. Apparently, they don't even have a date. Right, guys? That's not the way you do business. That's not how the box office works. Uh, Clayton, I mean, did you? I mean, right? You need to know so far ahead of time. For most general audiences, they need to be reminded and reminded and reminded, and that date just pushed into their skull until it's automatic. It's not like us. It's not like us who keep track of these movements of dates. It's not like us who know when these movies are coming out because we have to. The general audience has so many other dates juggling in their head, right? Uh, my kids' birthdays, my anniversary, my court dates, right. all these different things they have juggling in their head. They need to know when Glass Onion is available after hearing it a thousand times. Right, right. And that's the thing. Like, it's a shame that Knives Out is going to just be on Netflix because the creatives are getting taken care of because they're getting paid whatever they're going to get paid up front. So, you know, there's the back there's no back end and all that stuff. But what's happening with these stars and I've noticed it with someone like Kevin Hart, right? He continuously has projects, movies that come on Netflix and disappear. And he's losing his cultural cachet because you're not 
seeing commercials, you're not seeing billboards, you're not seeing things that are reminding you that he still is in movies. Right. Right. He just had a movie with Mark Wahlberg that dropped on Netflix and dropped off the face of the planet. And Mark Wahlberg's a guy who's just getting a little bit of steam now because of that the big hit he had with Ta, uh, Tom Holland. Right. Uh, and and now he's languishing on Netflix. It's like it's ruining their cultural cachet. Right. Right. It certainly right. And, it certainly cheapens the brand. There's no doubt about it. You you look at a movie like Me Time, which was the latest. Uh, Kevin Hart film and it just yes it just it, it doesn't go anywhere it wouldn't have worked in in theaters it's like they just rush these films with a first draft uh, and, yeah. and I don't like to criticize people's work but when I see it and I you know and, and we all have seen thousands of films you just feel like man that needed uh you know needed a rewrite it needed to go through the studio system where audiences see the film and say, hey, I like this. I didn't like this. You should do this. You should do right. that. There's a system in place because that system works, guys. It's worked for 100 years. And Netflix is just saying, nah, we don't need that system. We're just going to let you, the artist, decide how you want to do this. And boom, there it is. You're done. You baked it. These cookies look great. Let's put it out on streaming. And and it's just it's not the way you bake cookies at the box right. office. Right. That's such a great point that you just made. Did you read, there was a book that came out, I think uh, earlier this year, or maybe last year, called Audienceology. And yes. it was all about that. It, great book. I wish I could remember. I'll put in the show notes the author. This book is great. And uh, it's it, it shows how that system works. He's sticking up for a system that people, especially creatives, like to talk shit about. But at the end of the day, they're very good at picking hits and finding movies that are gonna do well through audiences actually watching them beforehand and that's why I, apparently we don't have Batgirl because they didn't finish the process like that that thing to mm. me is just like it just I, I worry about Warner Brothers uh, you know if we're talking about this season as a whole only Disney and Universal even remotely have a number of films that you would consider uh, a regular amount of films. The other studios, you know, Warner Brothers is basically taking the fall off. Lionsgate has almost nothing. Um, Sony, uh, they, they kind of have a mixed bag. Paramount has nothing. Uh, they have one horror film and then Babylon at the end of the year. So uh, again, you guys, we're just, <laughs> we're coming down to uh, what do we have left in terms of real studios anymore of how, how this operation used to work. You know, we're just losing more and more by the day, and that's—I guess—that's the—that's the pessimistic side, from 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 what I see uh, when when we look at this thing as a whole. Um, th this fall and and what we saw this summer, obviously there are supply chain issues. It was two years ago that the pandemic that we just restarted, and those films take about two years from green light to to get to the screens. That's the gestation period. So in 2023, yes, we're gonna see more product, but but is that product going to be diversified? That's what scares mm -hmm. me is that we're on this place where it's superhero films, it's sequels and slashers. And pretty soon, those are the only films that are going to be greenlit for the big screen. And that is the wrong way to go, I think. But it seems like we're headed in that direction. Well, I mean, and it would it would be uh, doubly awful to see that be what happens after some of the lessons that should have been learned from the summer where you had 
things like Elvis, which obviously Elvis Presley is in some form IP, but that's a, you know, it's not a comic book movie. It's a, it's an adult drama. You had Where the Crawdads Sing. You had stuff like, I guess, A Black Phone is a slasher movie, but you had Top Gun Maverick, which is just an, an old-fashioned sort of 90s, big star, big part movie. Basically, we saw some examples this summer of just old-fashioned, non-comic book movies that hit. So you would hope that that lesson carries over into what gets produced going forward. So up to this point, we've been talking a lot of the the slam doinks of the fall. So I think this is a good splitting off point here to talk about, you know, some of the other movies that are coming out this fall that maybe have a chance of overperforming, maybe have a chance of being Black Phones or Elvises or Where the Crawdad Sings is, you know, some of those level movies. So I'm going to throw out now some of those type of titles. Let's start with, I mean, one of the most talked about movies of the last couple of weeks. It's, I don't know if it's going to be big at the box office, but it's definitely got a lot of buzz on the internet. Don't worry, darling. This is Warner Brothers' big release other than the Black Adam DC film. This is Olivia Wilde's follow-up to Booksmart. It's the movie that everyone's talking about. Is Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh in a feud? Did uh, Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? But the bigger question is, will this movie do anything at the box office? Could this movie be in that, and I I'm, I know you're both going to say no, but in that sort of Gone Girl slot of a September movie for adults that really catches on and gets to 80, 90, 100 million domestic. Does Don't Worry Darling have any shot of being just a solid, old-fashioned hit movie for adults? Clayton, you want to you want to nail this one first? <laughs> uh, I I mean I don't think so. I mean like I understand what you mean with Gone Girl. I mean I I I I I know what you mean. That's like the best possible case for this. Right. Again, Gone Girl, Fincher, a big name director, Affleck, big name actor, huge novel. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this movie is going to be huge. I don't think all. I think the interest is purely internet. I think the the interest is purely TMZ. Florence Pugh, I love, great actress. thinks she's going to do big things. Obviously, she's the new Black Widow, but I don't think she's enough of a name to bring people to the to, to butts in the seats. And Harry Styles, I mean, listen, Justin Timberlake never had a hit movie, so <laughs> like, why would Harry Styles? It it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So I do think that the the this movie is probably not going to do well. This is a yeah, Clayton. I I agree with you. the The tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes is at forty percent. Um, if you're mm-hmm. selling an adult mystery thriller, guess what? It has to have good reviews. It just has to in this day and age. You can't be at forty percent and have a hit. You know, this isn't where the crawdads thing. You know, that's a different beast. That's a different genre. Um, yeah, this is high profile for all the wrong reasons. Is all press good press? Not when that press died a week ago when the queen died. It went with the queen. When the queen died, everybody stopped talking about Don't Worry Darling. In fact, I bet most people think it already came and went from theaters. So by the time it opens in yeah. two weeks, people are like, wait, what? No, we're still talking about that? Wait, 
can I see that on Peacock? Is is that on Peacock? When's that coming on Peacock? You know, uh, it, it wouldn't come on Peacock, would it? It would come on uh, HBO Max. Is that on HBO Max? Um, so the, the problem here, again, is, yeah, it, it probably played out. A, a lot of that free publicity that Warner Brothers got has has kind of gone in the toilet now. People are like, I'm over it. I don't care what happened. It's just too much. I may not even want to watch the film. Now, I know that there's a big Harry Styles uh, Instagram following. He ha- I mean, he has followers, right? He has followers in a way that you, Clayton and, uh, and Pat, that we will never have, right? Ever. He just, he has that. But because you're a successful singer, never has given anybody the right to be a successful actor, right? Ask Madonna mm-hmm. too. You know, if we're, if we're talking about people who really wanted to be a huge at the box office, but just never were. Maybe Lady, Lady Gaga can do it. You know, she seems like she actually has yeah. a chance to, but Harry Styles, I'm not so sure. Um, the other thing working against it, um, you know, it's going to have that opening weekend. So that whatever it makes that opening weekend, after that, it's going to nosedive. It's going to be like a 58% drop the second weekend. The good yeah. thing that Don't Worry Darling has working for it is the budget's pretty low. I've heard upwards of $30 million. That's a pretty decent-sized budget. That's that's a budget where you can actually make money. Maybe it does well internationally. So it's not like it's going to be a huge black mark on Warner Brothers. It's just not going to do what I think a lot of people were hoping it would do. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed the, the two big things here is a movie like this has to be good to do well. You know, Gone Girl was a movie that people loved, critically did pretty well, that this type of movie cannot be bad. And the Rotten Tomato score on this is bad. It can't be bad and do well. And yeah, this movie needed to open up this past weekend. This movie needed to basically open domestically right after the Venice Film Festival, after it got all that buzz. And Opening in two weeks, you nailed it. People are going to feel like, uh, didn't this already come out a month ago? And, and I think you, I mean, Jeff, again, you nailed it with the queen yep. dying. I think the even, Pat, even if this movie opened last weekend, yeah. that's the worst time for it to open. Because you even mentioned a couple episodes ago, maybe if it was the last episode, that the worst, if the crawdad sing, sang opened uh, the weekend the queen died, that movie would not be reaching uh, uh, close to 100 right, right now. Right, right, Because the crossover audience with Don't Worry Darling is the same kind of people who are interested in the queen. And even if they hate the royal family, they are invested in it. Right, right, They're right. going to watch it. So, <laughs> they're going to start watching all the 10 crowd. days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to rewatch the crowd, whatever. But it's all 10 days. They're going to be, they're going to be tracking the queen's uh, body yep. uh, through Scotland or whatever it's doing. I mean, that's what they're going to be doing instead of seeing Don't Worry Darling. So I definitely do think that this is a bad time for this movie to be opening. All right, so we don't we don't think that that, you know, adult drama is going to do all too well. Here's a couple of studio comedies which seem like an endangered species. We we've, you know, studio comedies have basically just been whatever jokes are in a superhero movie, but we've got a couple of studio comedies opening in the next month or so. So, we've got Bros which is starring Billy Eichner of Billy on the Street, directed by Nicholas Stoller, who is a proven hand in studio comedies. I mean, he's the forgetting Sarah Marshall guy. He's he's helmed a bunch. He's get him to the Greek. So he's 
Did he do na- the guys. neighbors? And he did a neighbor. He did, I think, both the neighbors movies. So this is a guy who has a track record in the last 10 to 15 years of making successful studio comedies. He's directing it. Billy Eichner is the the star of it. Um, and you know, he's he's someone who's been on the comedy scene for a while. The other studio comedy I want to throw out there, Ticket to Paradise. It's Julia Roberts, George Clooney, divorced couple, arguing, possibly getting back together. So just two old-fashioned studio comedies, a younger, bro-y, you know, sort of sex comedy and bros, and two old stars bickering and falling in love in Ticket to Paradise. Guys, is there either one of those that we have any confidence in not to bring it back to the heyday of the Farrelly brothers and, and you know, uh, the Hangover movies and big studio comedy hits like that. This isn't going to be Wedding Crashers, you know, mid-2000s territory. But do either of these have a chance of at least doing game night business? You know, doing uh, 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 blockers business. Getting to sixty million domestic when all said and done, do we do we feel like Bros and or Ticket to Paradise could do it? Well, what do you think, Jeff? I would love to see that for Bros, um, but man, it's it's even in this day and age, it's still such a difficult sell. Uh, you know, R-rated comedies. Um, it, again, like you said, it is an endangered species. It's tough to sell comedy. It seems like it seems like there's always it, it offends somebody, and then groups jump on that, and then it just goes off the rails on Twitter. And someone didn't like something and was completely offended. And Bros is going to offend a lot of people, right? We know mm-hmm. that in a good right, way. Right. But um, to make sixty million, you know, uh, in this day and age, it's it's very difficult. I think. Honestly, I think thirty to forty million is probably where we're looking at it for Bros. That that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence for other studios to make films like that. Um, I, again, you know, let's see what the reviews are like. That's gonna. That's again, it has to be well reviewed, and and word of mouth has to be like fire on that thing. And I and I then I think it does have a window to make some money. Um, <laughs> now, in terms of. Uh, Julia Roberts and, and George Clooney pairing up in Ticket to Paradise. You know, I was on the fence about, um, you know, uh, uh, what was it? The big, what was the name of the, San, the Lost City? San Lost, City, Lost yeah. City, yes. Yeah. I mean, and that turned out to be such a great experience in theaters. I think we all agreed on that, that that was just a fun film, a great throwback. Yep. And I'm hoping this is what Ticket to Paradise is, a throwback to those old romantic comedies. You certainly picked the right stars for it. Now will audiences bite, especially audiences like my parents, you know, who are in their 70s. Will they really want to go see this? I hope so, because... The more films like Bros and Tickets to Paradise fail, just sends the message to Hollywood saying, yep, we're right. Nobody wants to see these. Stop greenlighting them. And God, we don't want that to happen. So hopefully all the B.O. Boys fans, tell your friends, go see these films because we don't mm. want studios to stop making these kind of genres. You know, that would just be bad for the entire business. Uh, Tickets to Paradise, I don't think it's going to do Lost City business. But I think a sort of movie that it could be akin to, and of course, these are actors and actresses that are a generation older than these stars. 
But I think it could do book club type business. Okay. I think it could be something that opens in the mid-teens, legs out to about 68 or 70, and that would be a huge success for this movie. Yeah. And it is yeah. it it does open against Black Adam. We know that. So so it might be those grosses might be depressed a little the first weekend, but again, it could play through Thanksgiving and have a nice little it, boost. And it's counter programming. I mean, I know that Black Panther I mean, I'm sorry, Black Adam is going to be a big superhero movie, but I am going to be at uh, Ticket to Paradise. I am not going to be at Black Yeah. Adam. So there are going to be people who are going to see these films. Yeah. Now, quickly, bros, bomb. You think bros, <laughs> bros is going to bomb? bomb. The, the people who who this is aimed for, who they the young people are are getting their transgressive stuff other places, and I don't think this is going to be a movie that. I think general audiences may come see it, but the people that they're aiming it for, like the people who would actually so go see this movie, audience the younger saying, audience is not going to come see it. you aiming it for? You mean like younger audiences that in the past supported your there's something about Mary type They're comedies. not going to come to this. And then the people who, who would actually maybe come to this, the people in their uh, – the – Exennials, the 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 older millennials are not going to come out for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll probably go I, see I, Smile that weekend, and that's you know that's Paramount's horror film that has been getting pretty good buzz. That's the thing. Sometimes there's only room enough for one movie, even if they're different I think, genres. We were talking about this because we saw the preview, the trailer for Smile. Yep. And Pat said, I think this is going to do Buffa Bobo. And I agreed. So I do think, yes, Smile is is going to eat into Bro's cash. I mean, Smile could end up being ahead of Bro's that weekend. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen that Smile trailer a bunch of times now. (laughs) And you could feel it with that movie. It's just one of those simple horror premises. It's got the unique visuals. And I, I could totally see that opening to like 24 million and bros opening to like 14. And big screen wise, Billy Eichner is very good if he's in a movie for five minutes. I don't know if I could see a movie with Billy Eichner for an hour and 30 minutes. We'll see. I mean, this is going to be the test. You know, he obviously can't play Billy on the street persona for an hour and a half when you're the lead in a comedy you can't be the big sketch character the whole time. So with Ticket to Paradise, here's my thing is I think it's just it's opening in a really bad time slot in a in not time slot. We're not talking late night television in a really bad uh, uh, slot uh, for a weekend. This is a movie that to me should be opening this month in September. I don't know why when we have so few big movies, why you would open it even as counter-programming against Black Adam. I mean, look back to something like Longshot with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. They thought they were being cute by being counter-programming to what? Endgame that May. And that movie got demolished. You know, it's not counter-programming. People are going to go see the big movie that opens this that weekend. And you have all these weekends now where Tickets to the Paradise... Could have come out in August, you know, or could have come out in September, uh, uh, you know, this upcoming weekend or something like that. Why it's opening like right before Halloween against Black Adam. I just don't get the logic of that slot on the schedule 
it could still do well. I mean, Julia Roberts and George Clooney, their stars have fallen over the years more so than like, I mean, Sandra Bullock is still a butts in the seats movie star yeah. in a way that Julia Roberts and definitely George Clooney are not. I want to see that movie be a hit. I think, though, they could have been smarter with where they placed it on the schedule. I agree. Black Adam is no endgame, obviously, but I understand what you're getting at with that. I do think that is a better counter-program than, than, than uh, Long, long shot, shot against was. Endgame. Against yeah, Long endgame. Shot was aiming for a younger audience. But I just don't see the point of counter-programming right now. Find a weekend when there's no other big movies. Yeah, there's plenty of weekends. You're you're totally right on that. Yeah, there's no need to counter-program anymore. Yeah, with this much less product, again, if if we even look at September through December, uh, if you thought 37% less product was bad in the summer, we're down to 40% less wide releases from September through December of this year versus 2019, guys. That's a lot of open weekends that really don't have anything. Or, or, you know, a film like, um, you know, Amsterdam. Uh, This is Uh, David O. Russell's film. Wow. Right? You read in my mind, Jeff. I was just about to throw that out as a sleeper Yes. But go go for it. October 7th. Perfect timing. Uh, Opens, you know, with Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Totally different audience. But David O. Russell, we forget sometimes how many big films he's had at the box office. Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle. These all did $100 The Fighter almost did $100 Yeah. Um, you know, and then we look at Joy, which, you know, wasn't a huge hit, but it still made 56 million at the domestic 100, yeah. 100 worldwide. So guess what? David O. Russell is a force in comedy, drama, dramedy, whatever you want to call his films. There's something a little different. And we talk about stars, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe uh, Saldana, Robert De Niro, you guys. And it, the, Mike Myers, the yeah. list goes on. This could be- Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. This Rami, Rami Malek. I, this could be a really big film for 20th century uh, Disney has, has it, it almost feels like they've shuttered 20th century, but now with Barbarian, and which is which is is a hit. It, the film only cost four million dollars, uh, and now moving into Amsterdam, I think they're going to have another hit on their hands. They need to promote this though. Yes. They need to. Bl- we need to see every Sunday during football. Yes, multiple commercials for Amsterdam. We just need that because that is what's going, and they haven't been doing that with the 20th Century Fox movies or the 20th Century Studios movies. I'm so sorry, no Fox involved at this point. But we saw this trailer right before Barbarian. We both loved it. We looked at each other and we said this could be a smash. Like you said, David O. Russell built up anticipation. The guy has not had a movie released in theaters since Joy. People are itching for his style. And I do think that this could be a big adult sleeper hit. Yes, I—I I mean that was that was going to be the one I th- I was going to throw out there as as the big sleeper. I, I the, watching that trailer, it's so fun, it's so energetic. The stars look like stars. You know, there's something about this trailer that really presents not just that they're in the movie, but here is a bunch of movie stars who get to do movie star stuff. And that is what his movies have all been good at, you know, the last few years. You know, American Hustle is just movie stars getting to do fun movie star stuff. And Silver Linings Playbook was that. And The Fighter was that. 
Joy was a movie about selling mops on QVC, and that made sixty million domestic. Yeah, it still made a hundred million worldwide. Probably his his most boring film, honestly. Yeah, compared to his yeah. other ones. Um, yeah, you know, I still have a lot of love for Three Kings back in the day that came out in '99. Yeah. I still remember my theatrical experience with that one. Um, you know, flirting with disaster. If you want to go back to spanking the monkey, and we all we all do eventually. You gotta go. You, that's you, gotta get a sequel. You, I mean, that's IP that's just waiting to be oh God. rediscovered. Yeah, and it's yeah. time. It's time for the generation to see uh, spanking with the monkey. Or, you know, it should. It yeah. is. It's time. Yeah, grandma's back. She's back, and now she's a grandma. So I, I, I mean, are there? Oh, let's go. Are there any other? movies that are in that Amsterdam mold. I mean, I think we all think Amsterdam's a type of movie with that slot early October. The fact that the following week, we all think Halloween ends is going to underperform a little bit. So Amsterdam could probably hold really well. Amsterdam's a movie that could make 80 million, could make a hundred million domestic without being IP. What are the other movies, September, October, November, that maybe people are overlooking that could fall in that Amsterdam-esque, it's going to make 80 to 100 million domestic, even though it's not superhero, it's not IP, it's not, you know, pre-sold, guaranteed, slam doing. What do you guys, I mean, what do you guys think about Devotion? You know, this is the Glenn Powell film, you know, riding high off Top Gun. Now he comes out in another movie where he's flying planes. Does this have a chance over that schmaltzy Thanksgiving season to actually do some serious business. Uh, I saw that trailer and it, it just looks so much worse than Maverick (laughs) in the sense of this. It does not look realistic. It looks weirdly stylized and it looks badly CGI'd. And I feel like that is why that movie can't compare to something like Maverick. Maverick, of course, the practical nature of the stunts there, the fact that they were pulling real G-forces. This movie looks to me like a... It just looks cheap. And I I love Glenn Powell, and I really want some stars to come out of Maverick that you know can lead us to the next generation of stars. I just don't see Devotion doing it. I just don't see this being a factor at the the box office. But Joe, Joe Jonas, Joe Jonas, that's true. Joe Jonas. Well, you know, listen. If you know, if Harry Styles can be in movies, I guess Joe Jonas. And Joe Jonas was in uh, Jumanji, was he not? He was he not in this first or second Jumanji? God, I love those movies, and we've seen both of them in theater, but I don't remember anything about them. I think it's a shame that this movie is coming out when it is. Like, it, it feels to me well, Thanksgiving's like... Thanksgiving's a good time for this, and it's getting the slot that... Remember, there was a, supposed to be Creed Three. Yeah. was yes. supposed to open this Thanksgiving. It's, it is crazy when you think to how jam-packed this fall could have been, you know, back when Shazam and Creed Three. And the Flash were, were all also coming. Wasn't Aquaman at some point going to come out this fall? I mean, this this fall was supposed to be gigantic. And then slowly but surely, every big movie moved out of the year. But, you know, Creed 3 was supposed to open this weekend. Thanksgiving is just one of those weekends when families are just looking for a way to stop talking to each other for three hours. And Devotion 
feels like a good family movie. You know, maybe the last time they all went to see a movie together was to see Top Gun Maverick. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm leaning a little bit more towards Clayton in that it feels like one of those knockoffs. The title is not great. Devotion feels a little too religious movie to me rather than like kick-ass action movie. I mean, Top Gun Maverick. Do you get a title that is more kick-ass than that? You compare it to Devotion. But I don't know. I mean, Jeff, you're the one. Are you? Are, what are we missing? Because it feels like you, you're higher uh, on I'm this. just saying that Glenn Powell was such a sensation in Top Gun Maverick that mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't even matter if your next film is any good or not. Like, this is definitely going to be his heat check. You know, if yep. you're saying, and, and the weird, the strangest thing is, is it, he, he's a pilot again. It just, like, that just, it that's almost has a Hollywood type ending to it to me. Like, it just feels like, wow, they totally lucked out with Glenn Powell because he wasn't a star when they cast Devotion, you know, and filmed right, it. Right. And in fact, it was supposed to be a limited release at first. And then, like you said, some films moved out. And then Devotion took a full wide release. I think it was supposed to maybe expand wide over Thanksgiving. But that also shows me that Sony might have had some belief in it. And then obviously once Maverick just knocked off everybody's socks um, – you know, I, I think they got they they are hoping the same thing that that Glenn Powell is a real star. Like that was a star making performance, and they right. may be able to capitalize on that. They may be able to lift this thing. And I'm not saying it's doing 150 million, but over this time, over this period in the holiday season, when we all get schmaltzy and we reach for our Kleenexes and we want to cry a lot, devotion may be that film. You know, I'm not, is it the, maybe it's the English patient all over again. I hope not, right. but you know, it, Here, it just, here's, those films can play well over this season, you know, it, it, it and it's jaded as, as a lot of us are, a, a lot of audiences respond to those films. When did Midway come out? Did Midway come out around the same time? Midway came out, I think Ooh. in fall of 2019, I think it came out around then. Um, I could I could be wrong, but here's a movie that I'm going to throw out as a recent comp for devotion. And obviously, Glenn Powell is not the star that Channing Tatum is or was going into the movie I'm about to say. But I'm going to throw out this past uh, uh, winter's dog starring Channing Tatum in that that was a movie before that came out. We were all feeling like, what is this movie? It looks kind of a little cheap. It looks a little strange. Is it a religious movie? What's the audience for this? And again, obviously, Channing Tatum going into that was already a big proven star, had Magic Mike movies, had the 21 Jump Street series. He's a big movie star. Glenn Powell is not. But Dog is an example of people like this guy People want to see this guy in a movie. People went to see that movie. And that movie made, what, 50 million, 60 million domestic, had a great run. Devotion is a test, like you said, for how much do people like Glenn Powell? And is this a case where maybe we are breaking a new star and we're about to find out, yeah, people like Glenn Powell. People heard Glenn Powell's got an action movie, comes out during Thanksgiving, they go see it. So we'll see. You're right. It's a heat check. We're going to see. Again, I'm not saying Glenn Powell is Channing Tatum. Huh? That's not what I'm saying. But 
we'll see if he's got that likability where people are going to go just because they see him on a movie poster in a likable-looking movie. Two things really fast. Midway opened November 8th. So around the, in November, made 56.8 domestically, right? Number two, the dog comparison is ridiculous because have you seen the trailer for Devotion? I don't think you can compare those two movies if you have not seen the Devotion trailer. I've not seen the trailer, but Dog was such a weird trailer. It was a throwback. It didn't look cheap. It looked like a throwback. It looked like a 90s type movie that people were excited to see. This Devotion is more akin to House at the End of the Street, which was a horror movie that Jennifer Lawrence had shot several years before her big star turn right, right, and right. was released after Silver Linings Playbook and The Hunger Games to try to cash in on a star. That's what Devotion looks All like right. to me. This is a movie that is trying to cash in on Glenn Powell being a known entity now, and it's not going to work. Well, Guys, we'll look, at, look at the – go to IMDb. And go to Devotion, and oh my God, look at the new poster. I haven't seen this poster before. Oh, I'm looking at it right How now. How great is that? Look at that. It's Top it's, Gun Maverick 2. That's what it is. Look at this thing. <laughs> he's got the shades yeah. on, and I don't know. I, I, I've this never seen like an this asylum trailer. Movie. I'm into it. The poster's <laughs> drawn me in. This is a rip-off See? asylum movie. <laughs> I, like, they could, they should just rename it, uh, they should rename it Maverick. <laughs> I mean, they could do that. Yeah, they could just call it Mavericks. Call it Mavericks. Call it Mavericks. (laughs) Right. He's in a leather jacket. And I'm just watching the trailer as it goes through. Guys, I just, we all know what Sony's doing here. And I'm just saying, and Clayton, I totally agree with you, but I'm saying it could work. Uh Hollywood pulls a lot of fast ones on people. And this might be the Thanksgiving fast one that they've been waiting for. And and we talked about how Disney's Strange World coming out this weekend might be a little soft. So Strange World also, I think, is going to tank. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. All right. So guys, you know, the fall season is usually the Oscar season. All the 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 awards movies comes out. Do we think there's any of these awards movies other than you know? I think Amsterdam falls in this category. Any awards type movies? that are also have any chance of doing anything at the box office. You know, you've got, you've got, uh, she said, and you've got women talking and you've got, I guess Damien Chazelle's Babylon comes out Christmas. So that's a winter movie. Uh, you know, white noise is a Netflix movie, which means it'll be out in 15 theaters. Is there any of these Oscar movies, triangle of sadness, anything that's the sun, (laughs) Bardo, the sun Bardo the... is the same thing, yeah. Right, the Fablemans. Well, okay, the Fablemans. Yeah. That's, that's the no, one. that's going to make no money. That's the thing, guys. It, look at all these films that come out on Thanksgiving. We got Strange World, The Fablemans, Devotion, and Bones and All. You know, this is the the Chalamet film. So right, the yeah. Chalamet uh, yeah. cannibal movie. Yeah, exactly. He's going to eat some. He's going to eat some turkeys, um, human turkeys. But so so yeah. the thing is, we're talking about. Uh, what could be like a really poor weekend for Thanksgiving film? I mean, if 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 
Clayton is correct, and all these films are just do not live up to expectations, um, which which you know I, it could happen. Like you look at these, you're like, man, Creed three was the slam doink, right? That was the right. one that yeah. was going to clean up, and it's gone. You know, and and so that means Wakanda Forever just keeps cleaning up over Thanksgiving. Like you said, she said, I just don't think that people care about enough about they, they want to be done with with Weinstein. You know, they just. I, I just mm-hmm. don't even think they want to see a film on him. You know, it's so disgusting, right? right I don't think right. most people can stomach it, honestly, whether it's good or not. Um, and that's coming out the weekend before Thanksgiving. So by Thanksgiving, that film will probably be buried uh, regardless. Um, and and so you're looking at Fablemans. I mean, do we really think – I mean, people ignored West Side Story. Um, do we really think Spielberg – the master of filmmaking can sell audience general audiences on a film about filmmaking, right? That's the question. Yeah. And there's going to be so many, I mean, you got the Fablemans and then again, we're not talking about it yet, but Babylon is a Hollywood movie. It's just, there's a lot of that going to be in the air at the moment. And I do think this is a movie, uh, one of Spielberg's a master. We all know this. He's still capable of having gigantic hits. I mean, he just had ready player one a few years ago. But this is so navel-gazing and so not for a regular audience, a general audience, that I do think this will be an awards play, definitely, but a box office play, no. Could we have, right, could we have four a... turkeys? Could we really have four turkeys on Thanksgiving? That would be crazy. Gobble, uh, gobble. Uh, gobble, gobble, gobble. I hope not. Gobble. But, I guess it's but again, that could have been the weekend when you put out Disenchanted, starring not Isla Fisher, starring Amy Adams, they got the star back. That movie could have opened Thanksgiving weekend, made Baffa Bobo, but... What, what about the one sleeper we haven't talked about, November 18th, The Menu? <laughs> that's a movie that's not necessarily going to make a ton of money, uh-huh. but I do think that's a movie that could make a decent amount of scratch. I mean, we saw that trailer today before Barbarian. I mean, the movie looks great. And it's got Anya Taylor-Joy, who always just feels like she should be a giant movie star. You know, just has whatever that thing is that, you know, the Emma Stone has and, and movie stars have had. It feels like she should be a movie star. And so you're always thinking every time she's got one of these, you know, buzzy, dramedy-type movies, is this going to be the movie star movie? I don't know. I mean, the menu seems interesting for sure. But Nicholas um, Nicholas Holt is anti box office, so that I think negates anything that Anya could bring to the table. You know, I just it's like well, he had he had the uh, uh, what was the movie with Emma Stone that that uh, uh, Olivia Coleman won the Oscar for the favorite the favorite. I feel like that did. Well, for that level of movie, and Nicholas Holt was in that, though I guess they weren't really selling it on him. They and, were selling and, it on Yeah, him, and they never stone. have. This is more of him, hey, I'm front and center here. I'm with this right. girl. I mean, he probably gets killed, let's be honest, in the first 20 minutes. Um, right, yeah. Right. And people will probably enjoy that. But, um, again, tough sell uh, for, I think, that time, like right before Thanksgiving. I mean, I get what Searchlight is doing. It's funny, haha. But general audience we might love that but i just don't think it's gonna it's gonna make much of a dent at the box office um you know and and focus features has tar with kate blanchett and armageddon time 
Uh, this is James Gray's new film. Again, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. much heat on either of those. So I, I don't know. Well, James Gray, I mean, the guy uh, he keeps getting lots of money to make movies that make <laughs> no money. So and this is this is his like personal story. I mean, this is this is uh, talk about Fablemans. <laughs> yeah. Armageddon Time is going to make zero dollars. And it's just about his how he was a privileged kid growing up and how, uh, yeah, I guess I should be. Uh, I should uh, deal with the complications of that. Well, right, I guess, right. you know, write a memoir or something, dude, because this movie, I mean, it's going to be an awards play, maybe? I mean, the trailer, listen, the trailer looked good. I get what you yeah, mean, yeah, though, The trailer did like, not, I mean, the trailer did the not look good. Fableman's is at least navel-gazing from the most famous director of all time. So if we want to, if anyone's going to navel-gaze and, and show, this is why I learned to love movies, at least it is like, the person that is synonymous with making movies to pretty much everyone who knows about movies. But yeah, James Gray James is Gray not is navel-gazing because he keeps losing his shirt on all these movies. Right. Well, he's not losing his shirt. The studios are losing their shirts. So I'm going to throw out an awards play-type movie that I do think, and again, this is in the context of the size of the film it is, but a movie that I think could break out amongst that level of movie and that is Martin McDonough's new movie, The Banshees of Isherin. Oh, Pat, I knew you were going to go there. God, it looks, it's so anti-box office, it hurts. <laughs> I, but the thing is, it's got Colin Farrell oh. in a part where he's getting best actor buzz. And whatever we think of that movie, three billboards did pretty good box office for that kind of movie. It made $50 million domestic. Obviously, it had... Woody Harrelson is a pretty famous, you know, movie star or at least big value ad. But I I think that this movie, I think Martin McDonough is starting to break through as within that world, within that specialty box office awards play movie world, he's starting to get some name value. And I do think there's going to be some from the director of Three Billboards, Heat that could get this movie to make $30 million domestic when all said and done, which again is for this type of movie would be a success. And it's got Barry Keoghan, who is the new Joker. I mean, listen, throw that in there from the guy who be the Joker someday, possibly. The the problem I have with this film, it, though, comes back to the title. Because if you mm. can't, I know, it, hey, we don't walk up to the theaters and say, hey, I want two tickets for... Uh, the Banshees of, you know, right. whatever it is. Uh, you, we don't do that anymore. We're on our phones. But still, when when you can't have a conversation with somebody, because I can't even mention this film because I don't know how to pronounce it. It is a problem, you guys. It's like a negative word of mouth, you know. And I'm and yeah, that I'm being kind of funny there with that. But also, uh, when I look at this film, I feel like Three Billboards was was such a it was such a moment in time for him as a director. And, and and I thought he hit all the right notes and there was just great movie stars making movie star performances. And this, I feel like, is a small Irish film or English film that, that they shot there and it'll do really well in the UK. But most American audiences will say, mm, pass on this one. I'm waiting for four, yeah. four billboards. Yeah, Pat, because I do think he already broke through with three billboards and he peaked. That's his peak. Yeah. He will never reach that height again commercially and or awards-wise. Not with a project like this, I think. 
I mean, but there's also, and obviously this movie, when it came out, didn't do big business. But I do think a movie like In Bruges is one of those movies that has really gotten more notoriety on, you know, streaming, on cable over the years. Like, I think there is an audience for Martin McDonough. And again, we're not talking $100 million domestic, huh? huh. We're not talking $60 million domestic, huh? huh. But at, within these awards play movies... I do think he's got some heat coming off of Three Billboards, which, again, talking titles, the full title of that movie was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. But people Three Billboards were so easy to say. People short to Three Billboards, they'll call this the Banshees. Instead of saying the Banshees of Isherin, they'll say the Banshees, just like they retitled that Three Billboards. People, listen, people always find a way to shorten titles. So I think they'll call this the Banshees, and they'll say, oh, Remember when we watched In Bruges on Netflix a few years ago? Yeah, that guy's a new movie. Oh, what's it called? The Banshees. It looks good. Let's well, go see The Banshees. Even In Bruges, I think they just called it In because nobody really knew how to pronounce Bruges, you know, Bruges. Yes. So uh, guess what? Th- that made $7.8 domestic. I was just looking this up in 34, oh, yeah. 34 million worldwide. Okay, so let's double that. Let's give this one $15 million and call it a day. I don't know what this thing cost. And, and guess what? It'll make... 40 million overseas. So there you go. Not bad. So is there anything then that we're missing? I mean, it does, God, when you really get down to it. It feels so light. Yeah. It feels so light, especially since we spent so much time talking about movies that are going to streaming that should have come out in theaters. You know, we're talking about Hocus Pocus and Knives Out, Glass Onion, and Disenchanted, that if even just those three movies were all slated for October and November, the season would look so much different. Let's go one further. Let's talk about all those Netflix films that should be out there. The Wendell and Wild. This is the Henry Selleck stop animation, stop motion animation film with Keegan and Peele. That should be in theaters, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keegan and Peele have, still have a lot of cultural relevance and i've heard it's just great and then obviously you have white noise you got bumbox film there you got the, oh i mean that's that's my movie yeah, right there you got I mean, scott uh, cooper's the pale blue eye with christian bale you know glass onion which we touched on you also have guillermo del toro's pinocchio you know which is supposed to come out you got lady chatterley's lover the remake of that great hbo porn film that you could only see when the wavy lines just align themselves perfectly you know Mm -hmm. i mean there are some really interesting films that netflix is going to play like you said on 15 screens that that could really boost this when we're talking about having 40 40 percent less wide releases than we did in 2019 we see where it is it's all on streaming you guys those are the films that should have been in theaters and um unfortunately that that's crippling the industry a little bit yeah i mean it's it's uh it it feels like we're gonna in the end leave on a bit of a down note as we look ahead to the fall but and again don't come at us on twitter saying you know, and I know Jeff, you're the one out there. You're always you're always getting this heat from people who think you're 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 be, you're you're being too harsh. But it's it's the reality. There's not enough movies coming out, but it's it's a shame because we've seen people want to go to the movie theaters. If there was enough product, there will be enough people. It's just a shame that right now there's still not enough product to satisfy everyone's hunger for going to see things at theater. So don't come at us 
We're not saying theaters are dead, huh? huh. We're obviously not saying theatrical is, is on the way out, huh? huh? We're just saying we're, we're still in this period where there aren't enough movies coming out. And hopefully 2023 is really the back to normal year. It fe- but we'll see. Yeah, no, it feels like it is. And and if you want to come at us or if you want to come at ERC box office, come at us. But come at us in a nice way, a constructive yes. way so we can have a discussion. You know, you, you can't just – you you can't just come with some f bombs and things like that. It just it doesn't. It's hard to have a discussion when that's how you begin it. You know. No, no, you can't. You end with the f bomb, yeah, but yeah, come obviously. at it with a high yeah. hello, and then you yeah. can block, and and that's fun. You know, it's fun to block yeah. people after that. But you know, if you want to have a serious conversation about it, we are all on Twitter. We're willing to talk box office and movies. At almost any time of the hour, in fact, especially for me, if it's Waterworld related or Step Up related, any mm. of the Step Up films I could talk about forever, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and what's great is we're on different coasts. And so one of us will always be awake at some time. That's one true. of us will be sleeping. The, the times when we match up, like right now, where we're all awake, those are rare, but someone will be awake. So if you go on Twitter, you want to talk box office. One of us will be awake. Um, so, Jeff, is there anything else that you want to get out there to us or to the wannabe O boys, wannabe O girls, wannabe O people, people who are listening right now? Anything about your exhibitor relations co-services or just your big picture thoughts on the world of cinema that we haven't touched on? Um, I think they know it by now. Uh, again, it's at ERC box office on Twitter. That's where I hang out most of the time. That's where I talk about films. That's where I get to block people. Uh, that's where I get to draw that bomb. So, uh, go there, chat with us. Uh, you know, it's fun. Listen, guys, we all want the box office to succeed. So let me just yes. say that on record. Um, my company, the company I work for, wouldn't exist if the box office didn't succeed. So, uh, yeah, I, I am not anti-box office, but I am a realist about where it's going, where it's been, and that ticket sales have been declining over the past 25 years. And no one in Hollywood will argue that. They won't want to talk about it, in fact – but we can talk about it if you'd like to. Um, that's where we're headed. The whole industry, it, it's shrinking a little bit. And that's thats just going to happen. I, I, you know, we, we say movies are back. Movies are back. And that's a great sentiment. I love it. it. Because they are back. We saw that they are back this summer. But they are not back to the levels when we're talking pure box office of 2019. And they may never come back there. Guys, and that's just that's the reality of the situation. Look at it like this: um, There's a new movie theater in the Valley. I live in the Valley in Los Angeles, mm, which isn't the coolest nice. part of town to live in. But man, it's pretty good living in terms of cineplexes every four or five blocks, right? AMC uh, built a couple of new cinemas over here in the Valley, and one is up in. Um, Porter Ranch, which is the newest part, the furthest north that you can get in Los Angeles, is a place called Porter Ranch. You might know it because they had a, a natural gas leak a while ago, a big one. Oh, and yeah, good for that. yeah, and 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 uh, I think they're all they all survived. But AMC built a new theater up there, and it's a nine screen. It's not a sixteen screen. It's not a twenty screen. There's a reason why they built a nine screen. In fact, they tore down, which was my favorite AMC. Um, 
in West Hills or uh, Sherman Oaks area, and that's towards Ventura uh, Boulevard, which is where everybody used to cruise, right? Well, they had a 16-plex there, big theater that mm-hmm. I'd love to go to because nobody went to. It was an abandoned mall, basically, and it's just the movie theater. So you could go to a screening at any time you wanted. Well, they rebuilt that as a 12-plex, right? Because, guys, the movie industry is shrinking. I mean, that that's, mm. that is real live data there from the number one theater chain in America. They're not building those giant screens anymore. And, you know, check in on us. Let us know what you're seeing in your area. But in Los Angeles, they're not making giant multiplexes anymore. They're minimizing it. And there's great seating and great sound and great big screens. And, yes, they're still making movie theaters, but they're just making them a little bit smaller with all the creature comforts that you want and everything that you'll pay a little extra for. That's where we're headed. That's where the industry is going as I see it. Yeah, it's about events. It's about Every weekend, going to see a movie should be a big deal, should be big movies, should be big comforts, and it makes sense, but you got to schedule it so that there's big to semi-big movies every weekend. You can't have these movie deserts where there's a month in between the big movies because then at that point, it's not about supporting 16-screen, 20-screen cinemas. It's about are there even enough movies to support uh, a theater that has six screens, you know, so we got to, we can't have these big droughts in between the big movies, but listen, who knows? Maybe the Fablemans is going to overperform and people are dying to see Steven Spielberg tell his childhood life story, sans aliens, sans dinosaurs. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we'll find out together. So Jeff Bach, Thank you so much for joining us on the supersized edition of the BO Boys. Of course, you could email us at the BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com. We're not on Twitter quite as much as Exhibitor Relations Co. We're more of an email based podcast. So email us, the BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Clayton, I think we've done it. We have done it. I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except until next time, we'll We'll smell smell you at the box office. Nailed it.